Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and you're listening to another bonus episode of Track by Track. It's brought to you exclusively by ArtistWorks. ArtistWorks is dedicated to providing anyone anywhere in the world with affordable, interactive access to some of the greatest music teachers in the world. Each hand-selected ArtistWorks online music teacher brings many years of performing, recording, and teaching experience to players of all skill levels. Students at ArtistWorks have direct access to our robust video lesson catalog that is ever-expanding with fresh content. With the ability to loop and adjust playback speed, these online music lessons could be the key to unlocking your playing abilities. Through the patented video exchange learning platform, master musicians like mandolin legend Mike Marshall interact directly with enthusiastic players in an industry-unique social online learning environment. Mike reviews each video exchange submission and records a response, offering specific guidance to take your playing to the next level. All students can access the video exchange library and watch each other's interactions with Mike. These video exchanges form the basis of an ever-growing, ever-changing online learning experience that is superior to a real classroom and provides the most convenient and effective way to learn online. Want to take your plane to the next level? Use promo code MBAW20 to save 20% on lessons at artistworks.com. All right, thank you to Artistworks. Thank you all for listening. Tristan Scroggins is my guest this week. Great Great album, Curios. Check it out. And speaking of things to check out on Tristan's Patreon, you should go check that out as well. Tristan transcribed all the mandolin parts from the album Manzanita. Um, I meant to, we talked about it offline before we did this recording, but then we jumped into this track by track and I forgot to bring it out. But uh, that is amazing. I, uh, I looked through it myself here just the other day and holy cow, just a great job. So... If you want to check out that transcription, be sure to go over to Tristan Scroggins' Patreon page and see how to get a copy for yourself. Also, in just a few days, I will be announcing the three mandolin players that will be joining me in Nashville for a high-def, professionally recorded live stream taking place on September 26th. I cannot wait for you to hear the players. I cannot wait to do this. I have another one coming up in another city in October. I'm really hoping these things are uh, something you will all enjoy. More information coming soon. But in the meantime, let's check out this brand new album, Track by Track, with Tristan Scroggins. Cheers. Now I'd like to welcome back to the podcast. This is a third time third time on the podcast and always excited to have you on here actually it might be a fourth if you count you talking about um i had you on talking about something i can't remember what it was been so long now it seems yeah there was definitely something but i can't remember what it was either yeah and then we did the the little thing at that smith and lentz brewing so but anyway we're here with the track by track for tristan scroggins the scroggins and rose curios album which is incredible so welcome back buddy Oh, thanks so much, Daniel. It's it's good to uh, good to be back on the show, and ex- I'm excited to talk about this record. Oh, cool, man! This is when this is a record I've literally been waiting for since we did the podcast because I really, really loved the first one. And and I know you'd mentioned during that that episode, you're like, oh, we're um, getting ready to. You might have been going in to finish it up or going into the studio. But anyway, I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the second <laughs> one. So, um, and uh, definitely um, 100% worth the wait. It is beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah, I remember, I remember that telling you about us working on the record. I can't remember where we were in the process, but 
it took we were trying to be very deliberate about it so it it ended up taking a long time especially since we have such a Alyssa lives in San Francisco I'm here in Nashville and so it's it's hard to make things really deliberate when there's that much distance sometimes but we finally got it uh, got it all put together and then of course there was the pandemic but <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Did you guys record it um, together in person then? Yes, we recorded it um, in Nashville at the downtown Presbyterian Church. It's this really beautiful church downtown. It's, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was built, but it was built during this like Egyptian revival era. So the inside, the outside looks like just a regular old church, but the inside is made to look like uh, Egyptian tomb i guess oh wow it's painted with a lot of kind of egyptian inspired designs and all the stained glasses of like palm trees and things like that it's a kind of peculiar building but it sounds really beautiful in there i would have been stunned if you would have said that you guys recorded it separately a because the interplay throughout the album it seems like you would have to be in person <laughs> to, to, to do that sort of stuff. Um, and the dynamics, that's, mm. I think, that's probably the most impressive thing of this album is, you know, because like fiddle and mandolin, you know, they only carry mm. so much sonic space. And right. you guys do a great job of giving these songs like like breath and and just the dynamics between the two of you are impressive. And I think that's tough to do um, in any album, let alone mm -hmm. an album with um, like, you know, fiddle and mandolin <laughs> and the, uh, the tones, dude, do you guys, <laughs> I mean, obviously again, all that stuff is in the hands, but do you remember what kind of mic they used on the mandolin? You know, I don't remember the mics. I have a picture somewhere. I should ask Dave what he used. That what you're talking about with the the dynamics that was really a huge part of our goal. I mean, it's always a part of our goal when we're performing, but with recording this, making sure that we could have that was a big deal. It's part of why we went to that church. One of the things that we've run into a lot with our performances is that um, the mandolin and violin are sort of built differently to do different things and Alyssa having uh, classical music is a big part of her background the way that she's able to be expressive on her instrument mm -hmm. involves a lot of projecting whereas the mandolin at least like newer mandolins are built with the intention that they'll be played into a microphone so they don't project in the same way mm -hmm. and so when we perform, we don't usually use a microphone um, because we want the voices to blend better. In this case, we chose this space partly because the room sounded so nice. And you can hear it on some tracks. I, there's one that I, I think it's maybe Wisconsin Wayside or something like that. There's one track where you can really hear the room responding. And so we really wanted that. But then the other piece of that was having Dave Sinko was the engineer. Oh, wow. And Dave, you know, he's incredible and he's worked with everybody. And he knows a lot about how to make 
this lots of different music sound good and then on a, <laughs> a personal level how to make mandolin just sound amazing yeah i remember when we were talking to him about doing it i brought my mandolin to his studio and i was playing it and he asked to see it and he was just like looking at it and he just moved the bridge a little bit and then gave it back and it's it immediately sounded a million times better it, it was wild <laughs> oh my gosh i gotta i wonder if i could get him on the podcast that'd be an amazing one huh it truly would well because he used to build unicorn mandolins um here in town and and he he's i mean he's worked with everybody he's worked with Feely for years and and he I and he's also the nicest guy maybe ever. He's he's I really I really love Dave and it was really great to work with him. And then Wes Corbett produced it and Wes is somebody who at that time part of the reason that we approached him about producing the record his duo record uh, with Simon Christman that just come out banjo and hammer dulcimer and that is a really similar mid-range heavy duo and that record i'm not sure if you've heard it but it has that same sort of really beautiful um dynamic range and emotional range so we wanted his input on that plus he's played classical piano since he was a little kid so he also knows how classical music is supposed to sound and he was really (laughs) (laughs) he was really a big part of helping us be really intentional about setting uh listener expectations as far as like where are the low parts where are the high parts and then playing around with those and making sure that we weren't just staying in this in that mid range and just really making sure that there was a lot of variation to help accent the emotions of each song and things like that and, and really carry it. And so we were really happy with how all that worked out. That's great. Yeah. Emotions too. That's, that's a great way to, um, that's a great word to also describe it. Cause with those dynamics, you really do get the feeling of like, um, of, of like, again, I, I listen to a lot of music to walk a few miles in the morning just to like clear my head. Mm-hmm. And, um, I keep track of it with like a, uh, um, uh, phone app that'll tell you like, you know, one mile your time was, <laughs> and it was interesting because like for the first part, you know, like certain songs, I was like, Oh wow, I was walking faster than I thought there. And then like for some of the more mellow stuff is, it was noticeable in like my times when I was, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this is wow. awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that, that's interesting. Yeah. It just happened this morning too. <laughs> I was like, let's <laughs> experiment with this and see if this is true or not. So, wow. and you guys have been working on this, um, I'm, I'm assuming for a little bit before, before doing it? Yeah. Uh, Like I said, Alyssa lives in San Francisco. And when I was touring with my dad's band, I managed to be out in California pretty often. Um, We did a lot of stuff on the West Coast. And so it was really easy for me to just, after a tour, stay on the West Coast and work on some music with Alyssa. And we started working on this essentially right after we finished the other record. Um, Grain, which came out, oh, I don't know, maybe four years ago now. But um, then when I stopped touring full time and moved to Nashville, um, 
it sort of slowed down our process where I'd still go out there for about a week at a time and we would just have really intensive rehearsal and writing sessions where um, pretty much it would be eight-hour days in a lot of cases um, where we just would write music and arrange it and stuff and then play shows at nighttime to sort of experiment with it. And that process took probably two years of writing most of the material and then we wanted to be really intentional about how it sounded like i was saying so the process of making sure that we had everything in place so that it would sound really nice took a while because we're not (laughs) we're not printing money with our new acoustic (laughs) music exactly but but we were really fortunate to to get a grant from the Freshgrass Foundation that helped us fund a lot of the record, but that it took a long time to apply for that and then to schedule the um, recording and then making sure everything sounded right and then pandemic. (laughs) So there were just lots of things that it just took a long time. But yeah, it's been a long uh, process. Well, let's dive into the album. Just kind of go. We'll go through it track by track. Hence the name of the podcast, and um, and just maybe some little little cool stories or some insights into the tune, or maybe what y'all were thinking when you when you worked on. It, if that's cool with you, sounds great. All right, man. Well, it, tr- it kicks off with Marvel. Marvel, it has kind of this long story that I always want to tell on stage, but it's too long and confusing and it doesn't really make any sense. (laughs) But uh, I wrote the original melody for Marvel in Montana. Uh, I was on tour with my dad and as was kind of often the case, we had finished a tour, but it didn't make any sense financially for us to go home and then go out on the next tour another week later or whatever. So we had a friend who had a house in Montana. It was really, it was a really beautiful house on this lake, Um, very like quaint cabin sort of vibe. But I had been around people a little bit too much. (laughs) Um, You know, we were spending about 300 days a year on the road and it would just get pretty overwhelming. I'm, I'm pretty introverted and need time alone. So we got to this cabin and I just really didn't want to hang out with anybody. And so there was this sort of shed off to the side that I inquired about. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's a bed in there. But um, there's also like a bunch of skunks that live underneath it. So I don't think you want to stay in there. (laughs) And I I was like, no, I think I'll stay in the skunk shed. So (laughs) I hold up in this like, a tiny little skunk shed, and um, this was back when I still drank. This is a sort of um, what I hope is charming <laughs> story of staying in this skunk shed with a pretty cheap bottle of scotch. And I pretty much just wrote this song, the whole, you know, at least not the song, but the original melody. And when I brought it to Alyssa, she was horrified by the story. 
and <laughs> and the smell of your mandolin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it had originally been an A, which um, makes a lot more sense because of all the arpeggios and stuff in it. But we wanted to change the character of it. And especially with the melody, it had this sort of heroic sounding theme to it and so we wanted to to work with that and so we sort of messed with the melody and stuff and we figured out that it sounded a lot better in e flat which i think is in that like old theory of which keys sound like what i think e flat is the heroic key really yeah there's a whole thing about like which ones are happy and sad sure sure Um, wow that's interesting (laughs) but it ended up sounding really nice in e flat and we messed with the character to change it from skunk song to more heroic, <laughs> beautiful, sort of soaring melody. And uh, when we were trying to come up with a name, uh, I was I had also just played in Silver Dollar City. And the original attraction there in Branson is this cave. It's like the biggest open cavern cave in America. And it's called Marvel Cave, I think. Um, and so I like that idea. And also, um, Captain Marvel, the movie had just been announced and I was like, that sounds pretty cool too. So it can (laughs) sort of be about both. Um, (laughs) so that was sort of how, how, how that song came about it, it uh, going from skunk song to Alyssa <laughs> trying to make it a little more uh, palatable and, and have this nice emotional content to it. That's a great story, man. It's, it certainly is a story <laughs> that this is pretty indicative of my life at the time. And that leads to, we talked a, a little bit about it on um, Wisconsin wayside. Wisconsin Wayside was written by Alyssa and the melody. A lot of these tunes, one of us had written the melody. And then like when I would go out to San Francisco, um, we would play these melodies for each other and pick which ones we wanted to work on more. So Alyssa had the original idea for this one. And it, it was forever. I think we might've called it we had a lot of different names, like optional names. I can't remember what the optional ones were for this one, um, but we would play it in live shows and ask people, which was very funny to to ask people because uh, people's ideas for like what tunes should be named is pretty interesting. <laughs> we would get a lot of like people would give us like a full sentence that they thought the song should be named, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, which I think is good because maybe that meant that they had this sort of uh, full sentence sort of emotional response to it. But we ended up going with Wisconsin Waysides. Alyssa grew up in Wisconsin. I can't remember exactly which part of Wisconsin, but she wanted this tune to have the feeling of 
these sort of rolling hills and this sort of nostalgia. That was a big part of the emotional content for this song was this feeling of kind of like a winding road and a journey sort of, but with the sort of undertone of nostalgia and longing. And, and so naming it after where she grew up uh, felt appropriate. That's great. Naming songs is uh, just the worst. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty hard. Yeah. It's easier, you know, when you have like lyrics, cause you can be like, Oh, I like these words. You know, but like right now my phone is filled. I have a new puppy that we've had for about mm-hmm. <laughs> seven weeks, I think. And I think every, oh. everything in my, um, uh, phone right now is named like Reggie's eating my shoe. Reggie stop chase Reggie's hunting the couch. <laughs> Reggie scaring my <laughs> other dog. It was just like all these things I'm writing while he's doing this crazy stuff. Oh I mean, that's great. Yeah, maybe, that's, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm doing the Reggie EP. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did a lot of that work for um, John Hartford's family, helping with those tunes that he wrote and cataloging a bunch of his stuff. And that's kind of how he named all of the tunes in his journals was just like what he was doing and what he, where he was. Uh, there, a lot of, you know, they're almost all named after either the person he was sitting with at the time or whatever road he was on or what part of the river it at least tune wise it seems like most of them were named after what was going on right then rather than trying to think of something that sounded cool did you work on that book that they put out was that i didn't have a i wasn't involved in putting together the book Mm -hmm. i was on the album of the tunes that they recorded from the book yeah which is amazing great album oh yeah if i do say so yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but um, I, I've, hel- I've helped the family a little bit with just archiving a lot of his old notes and stuff. He left behind a lot of stuff, and it's taken them a long time to go through everything. So I've been helping them with that. Yeah, I remember the uh, index card stories when, uh, when we no, met right. up in Nashville. That was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he would, you know, a lot of the melodies he would just write down on an index card and then sort of come back to later. But um, that way he could sort of do it without having to like get out. I, you know, I guess I don't know exactly what he did, but it seems like based on the stuff that I've seen that he would just kind of write down an idea and then come back to it later. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, it wasn't as easy as just, you know, pulling your phone out of your pocket and <laughs> recording a melody real quick and then naming it after your dog eating um, <laughs> butter. <laughs> well, and I can't remember where I, I, I read this, but I remember or maybe when I was doing a lot of research on Bill Monroe, uh, I remember hearing that he, well, he couldn't, he didn't know how to write notate music or anything. And he didn't, it said, I remember it saying he didn't trust tape recorders. I don't know if that's, <laughs> he just didn't want to use a tape recorder. So, but he wrote hundreds of songs and hundreds of tunes. And, uh, I, I remember hearing that he would journal his feelings and like sort of what his surroundings were like. So like if he was sitting at home on his porch, he would just sort of journal like what it looked like outside and sort of how he was feeling while he was writing the tune. Oh wow. And that's what he would reference to remember how the tune sounded, which would partially explain why there are a few different versions of especially some of the later tunes (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's great um next up is i can find a way to fix it 
So this is a really powerful piece. And this was one that Alyssa composed and had finished before um, it was brought to the duo. Alyssa plays in a lot of other duos with people and a lot of other musical projects. And one of them is called Swift Rose. And that's with this violinist from New York um, named Maz Swift. And they were both commissioned. This is a side note. I do have to check and make sure this is true. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm 90% sure this is correct. Um, They were both commissioned by a cellist in Wilmington, Delaware, which there's a bluegrass festival in Wilmington, Delaware, funnily enough. But um, this cellist named Larry Stromberg. And he, it's a really beautiful project, and she could speak more to it than I could. But it involved wanting to give back to his community and but trying to do it in a way that wasn't that didn't feel like kind of elitist so he wanted to perform classical music in these community spaces but he went beforehand and interviewed a lot of people in these spaces and then commissioned pieces that were based on um the bach cello suites well, they were meant to be related to the Bach cello suites. Um, but the the pieces were meant to be based on these interviews. And the one that Alyssa wrote a piece for was was based on an interview with these women at a food pantry in Wilmington. And um, I'm pretty sure in we released an extended edition of the record where we talk about the tracks and stuff. And I think in the extended edition, you can hear a piece of the interview, but it's these two women talking about their lives. And Alyssa was really struck by how, obviously how difficult their lives were, but that the overlying emotion was this sense of determination and that they were going to get through it and were going to do everything they could to make their life better. And um, the line, that the title comes from. Um, I might be misquoting it a bit, but I'm pretty sure it's to the effect of, um, I don't want to always be sad if I know that I can find a way to fix it. And it's something like that. It's really powerful. And so Alyssa wrote this tune for solo cello, and then we arranged it for mandolin and violin. And there's a lot of, this is definitely the most composed piece on the album, like, and the closest to being a, I mean, it is a classical composition. So there's a lot of thought put into each section and, and, but the, the sort of main thing was you can hear in the beginning, this sort of trudging mandolin feeling of um, pushing forward. And that's supposed to sort of, symbolize this determination and moving forward. But there's this sort of longing, ethereal, airy melody that's the violin's playing above it that's sort of this emotional sadness that's being felt on the inside while moving forward and, you know, pushing through everything. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's a, it was a really, for me, a very 
challenging thing to to do because my training as a bluegrass old-time mandolin player is very different like my the way that emotions are expressed in folk music are just different and it's there's a lot more freedom to sort of express yourself in the moment i guess it's kind of hard to explain but with this every note is is very intentionally creating a feeling and working with the other part of the composition in this case the violin and it it took a lot of practice to have the discipline to be able to execute it in a way that conveyed these these very specific and strong emotions and also it is a pretty difficult piece of music to play so it took some time for me to be able to do it in general that's that's amazing i have a song about reggie falling off a couch (laughs) 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 really puts things in perspective for me right now (laughs) well you know we did just talk about the skunk song (laughs) good point all right it makes me feel better (laughs) i was getting ready to delete all my phone memos (laughs) wow that's a great story this is why i'm doing this is that story right there is exactly why well, all these stories, it's exactly why I wanted to do this, because it just that stuff moves me and motivates me. And I think it does that to other people as well. And there's stories behind all these things, you know, and that's man, that's a beautiful reason why people play music and why music moves people. I think you can feel that in these tunes. Yeah, it's it's music. And I think particularly instrumental music has this really well obviously music has this really emotional and beautiful quality to it it's a huge part of our lives but instrumental music has this really interesting thing i was talking recently with wes the producer about this because he just put out a record or is getting ready to put out a record of some original music and it's interesting because as a composer and performer you can write in and perform it with certain emotions in mind but it's almost like a theater of the mind sort of thing happening in the audience with somebody listening to it because they're going to interpret those emotions themselves and they can only base that on their own emotions because you're not, unless you tell them this story beforehand and they sort of can imagine a fictitious story, but even then they're still going to be projecting their own experiences onto the emotions that you're conveying. And so it's going to be, a unique experience for everybody. And so instrumental music has this just really interesting quality to it when you're thinking about writing and performing it. That's going to be the tagline for this podcast on my little audiogram, by the way, right there. That's perfect, man. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> uh, so let's. Uh, that takes us into Stellar Sea.
So I wrote the original melody idea for this. I think I was in the Baltimore airport, some airport. Um, and I wrote it um, because I was feeling sort of sad because um, one of my best friends here in town uh, is Justin Hiltner. And he um, also musician, banjo player, uh, he has now uh, <laughs> a long list of um, titles next to his name for his job at the bluegrass situation. But I don't remember what they are, but, <laughs> but he, I mean, he's a big part of the reason I moved out here. He helped me move out here. And so, but I was touring a lot and um he was mostly working from home doing work for the bluegrass situation. And so he was usually home when I'd come home and it felt really nice to come home and have friends that were home. Cause here in Nashville, there's this really fluid sort of friend group situation where most people are traveling all the time. And so there's always somebody here, but it's not usually the same people at the same time <laughs> right, right. different schedules which is fun but it was really nice to have somebody like justin who was usually there when i got back to you know go over and talk about the trip with and stuff but he um was on tour he was playing i think with Lori lewis and so he was gone when i got back so i think <laughs> i think the um the original phone memo title was something about Justin's not home before me or something like that. <laughs> um, but then, so then when I brought this to Alyssa, um, she uh, heard and wanted to sort of make the longing and mournfulness of it a little bit more expressive. And, and Wes also helped with that a lot with this opens with just solo violin in that beautiful room. Um, that is almost built for a violin performance. So it really fills up that space and it just sounds really beautiful. And it definitely has this feeling of longing and sort of isolation, which is a dramatic version <laughs> of the original idea. But um, Justin ended up, he, while we were working, I was in San Francisco with Alyssa and, and I got a call from him that he, uh, he got pretty sick last year. And, oh, geez. Um, and he's doing, he's doing good now, but good. at the time it was a scary thing. And um, so it, so those emotions took on a, a higher meaning for me while we were recording it. And the name um, I asked, he enjoys birding. And so I asked him what some of his favorite birds were. And um, one of them was Stellar's sea eagle, which is a very ridiculous bird <laughs> from, <laughs> I think, like the kind of like Antarctic area. Uh -huh. And it looks like a cartoon. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it's a really weird bird. <laughs> and so um, we um, we just named it Stellar Sea. It just sort of sounded a little cooler, I think. So. Oh, that's perfect. I'm looking up uh, Stellar Sea Eagle here while I'm talking to you on the. Uh, or, oh wow! <laughs> 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 yep, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that is a weird looking bird. It's oh, super wow. weird, and they're also enormous. They're yeah, it looks enormous. Big. Wow, it's 
so I thought that, that was fun. So maybe it has a little bit of um, an eagle flying sort of feeling to it, flying over the ocean, something like that. It's, but, and this was actually I just remembered. We had a, our original idea with this record was we at the beginning we thought that we wanted to work more with counterpoint. And we were experimenting with a lot of that and and playing different sort of that period of composing pieces. And it was interesting, but it it didn't really pan out um, the way that we had originally thought. And this record sort of ended up having a theme closer related to almost like pop songs, but like the idea of having a sort of hook in the melody which a lot of those counterpoint pieces have i mean that's the whole point is they have these two hooks that work together um and with this piece this was the the only one not the only one but it has the most obvious example of this counterpoint melody where um after the violin plays the melody once it switches to this different melody that's in the relative major and then as we work towards the end the mandolin and violin are playing those two parts at the same time um, and those melodies sort of work together to create this feeling at the end and then anxiety at jig was that written this year <laughs> <laughs> about naming tunes we just decided to be pretty literal with this one yeah. i think it might have actually been in my phone as anxiety jig <laughs> um it i wrote this while having a panic attack oh wow um, jeez i was <laughs> i was living in colorado at the time and i had just gotten home from tour and it was a really stressful tour and so i um was just kind of <laughs> huddled in my room messing around and i wrote out the basic idea for the melody. Um, and it, it just sort of took the form of a, just kind of a jig, but we didn't want it to, it's really easy with a jig or something in six, eight for it to get pretty piratey. <laughs> <laughs> and on Grana, we have, a tune in 6-8 that I wrote uh, called Argonauts Armada that is very deliberately piratey, right. but this one we wanted to avoid <laughs> the piratiness. So Wes helped with that. And um, and we sort of, we tried to work with how we played rhythm with each other. And Alyssa does a lot of really cool rhythm stuff on the violin on this one, a lot of different techniques and stuff with like sort of, um, uh, what's the word? polyrhythm sort of pizzicato stuff mm -hmm. and and it, it was it's one of my favorites to play it's a lot of fun and it's the most sort of fiddle tune-y of all of them 
And it kind of, this one has a lot of that sort of Mike Marshall, Daryl anger feel to it. Just these sort of raucous fiddle tune energy to it. And then Bubblicious, which is perfectly titled. Bubblicious, we one of our we did a lot of writing games when we were writing the tunes, like different things like where we would try to trade every note, every two notes, things like that. Um, one where Alyssa had a record, like an old vinyl record of tongue twisters. We would listen to it and try to write a tune based on the rhythm of the tongue twister. Wow. Um Bubblicious came about because we were listening. We wanted to try to write a top forty hit. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were trying to play with the idea of like pop songs and hooks and pop songs, and so we were listening to Sp- Spotify's top forty or something like that. And um, the Ariana Grande song. Oh, I wish I could remember what it's called. I should remember. It's it was one of the the, the it was a big deal. Um, it was one of her bigger hits, but it has this thing in the beginning where the piano is playing these um, clustered chords that sound really cool. And I wanted to try to figure out how to do that on the mandolin. I couldn't really, you can't really do that on a man, <laughs> on an instrument tuned in fifths. Um, but I figured out this way to do these, really weird inversions of the chord. So the first chord is D and I'm playing it as uh, 11th fret on the G string, seventh fret on the D string, fifth fret on the A string. Oh, wow. And, um, and then the B minor is like seven, four, two. And it's, there's just these really weird stretched out chords and it kind of imitated that sound. And, Alyssa had some of this melody. I think it was from a different tune. Like, I think it was a rag originally, but we sort of took it and put it with these chords and it sort of came out this way. And we wanted to, the way that those chords move in the beginning, we, she thought it sounded like somebody pulling on bubble gum, kind of sliding thing. Uh-huh. And so, and also, playing with like bubblegum pop sort of idea yeah uh. so we looked up all of our favorite bubblegums and we we decided bubblish just sounded the the best as a tune <laughs> perfect when it first kicked on i was like you know when i first heard the album and i was walking and i'm, I'm like oh what's the name of this tune i'm like oh per- <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> um hashtag stolen moments
Oh, yeah, the hashtag stolen moments. So Alyssa wrote the original idea for this one, and actually she wrote the whole tune. Um, now that I'm remembering, she she composed it for... Um, well, so she had a roommate, or not a roommate, I guess like a housemate. I've never lived in an apartment, so I don't... Well, like a neighbor, <laughs> somebody that lived close to her, um, that um, that she would sometimes like go over and drink whiskey with and um, talk about their bad okay Cupid dates with people, um, and and eventually he met this person that he liked, and on their second date they were going around to all the tourist spots in San Francisco and they would take selfies with other people taking selfies in the background. <laughs> and they, and they called it hashtag stolen moments. Oh, that's great. And they ended up getting married and Alyssa wrote this, I think as the processional for their wedding. Um, but then, so then we um, worked it out for duo and so we, changed it around a bit but yeah so it has this sort of sweet sort of uh, romantic sound to it i'm not, I, i'm probably gonna say this next one wrong is it calabacitas yeah that's right yeah all right i'm getting better at this <laughs> <laughs> Calvacitas, um, I think, is Spanish for squash. Um, I, you know, I grew up in New Mexico. Uh, I think I would, you know, they tried to teach me Spanish a lot. I just never really <laughs> could get a handle on languages. <laughs> but um, Calvacitas is a, a, a dish, like a kind of like a succotash almost. Like it's just like grilled vegetables essentially and um, my mother works or worked in this restaurant that made calvacitas and it was really good so I sort of just had that in mind and I when I was staying with Alyssa uh, I was we decided to have some people over to jam um, I think I can't I, it might have just been George Guthrie um, George is a banjo player. He was in town. He he was the banjo player for the touring cast of um, Bright Star. Was oh. it Bright Star? I think I think it was, I think he was playing banjo on Bright Star, um, the Steve Martin musical, and um, and so he was in town for that. So we invited him over, and I made Calvis and we ate it and jammed. And so then I think we wrote the tune. Um, or the original idea the next day or two together and it this one this one took a long time of like really pretty deliberately working on all of the pieces and um, it has the same sort of or a similar sort of heroic feeling with the after the intro the, the sort of when the melody comes in but 
I, I've kind of, I have this thing that I, I guess is kind of weird, but it's just like, maybe I, I assume it's from like listening to my dad play banjo and learning a lot of banjo stuff. That rhythm that I'm playing in the intro is this sort of muted cross picking rhythm um, that um, Alyssa's solos over in the beginning. And it sort of has a Latin castanet sort of feel to it. And so when we were naming it Calvacy, this sort of seemed appropriate. One of my favorite parts of the entire album is that is the little spot in the middle there where it kind of just goes to the mandolin and it's that really cool progression. It's this was a lot of fun to play with those lows and highs because this really kind of goes. It's this, <laughs> I think, the only time I peaked the. I remember I like peaked the microphone on the when we recorded this tune on one of the takes. Really? Um, just really, this is really the highest intensity song at certain points, but it also has those really sparse moments with this sort of that that piece that i that you're talking about always feels to me like this sort of like vast desert sort of landscape not dissimilar from where i grew up and i, I wanted to <laughs> in my solo there's a lot of um triplets and i wanted to sort of i listened to a, i think that i can't remember um exactly who but one of those records that mike marshall did with the brazilian mandolin player um, listening to some of those like super fast triplets that they do with the like paper thin pick and trying to figure out <laughs> how to do that. <laughs> and then the, uh, the French cowboy. This was what the name um, <laughs> ended up being pretty literal also. <laughs> so Alyssa came up with the idea for this one and um, it had another name as the original idea, but it changed a lot. And as we messed around with it a lot and it's, and it changed a lot over time, it took us a really long time <laughs> to sort of land on an arrangement that we liked. Um, we we would do these live shows and they're mostly like house concerts and we would hand out forms for people to fill out if they wanted um asking like there was space for people to write about what they thought about each song and this one <laughs> this one was always kind of a a challenge for us to pull off in live performance but eventually we 
we sort of landed on this this really fun arrangement. Um, we wanted this ethereal sort of sound to it, and I really love like French um, piano playing. I guess like impressionist sort of piano playing, like Debussy and um, Satie, and and so I we were trying to kind of figure that out. So I'm playing with my fingers. I'm not using a pick for the first half of the song. Um, and I'm doing this kind of Debussy-esque um, rolling pattern like with my fingers. And then the chords are meant to sound like sort of soft piano chords over this melody. But then when it switches to the mandolin solo and I use a pick, the mood changes and we the the um, inspiration for the emotions were imagining wc as a cowboy essentially like uh, um like going out to montana or something and so we wanted this the ethereal part to sort of be like staring up at the night sky and it being very beautiful and but then the mandolin brings in the cowboy part where the way I play the solo is very like cowboy and Alyssa's doing the sort of like um, almost like <laughs> like going to a stable in a video game. You have to bump, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Or um, yeah, it, <laughs> just almost this, um, this sort of tongue in cheek sort of cowboy motif. And then there's um there's other parts of the song but that was the that was the idea with that one and we looked for a long time for a name that m made sense but <laughs> i i it was mostly that i usually introduce the songs on stage and i didn't want to try to pronounce something in french every night <laughs> yeah. so we ended up just going with the french cowboy perfect uh, the solo is great too it's got some cool bluesy kind of notes in there too yeah yeah it was fun bridge 218 This is, a, this is a tune that I wrote, and um, I had it pretty much fully composed when I brought it, but we changed the arrangement a lot. Um, even in the studio, actually, the version that we played in the studio is, there's a video that we took in the studio um, of this tune that is different from what is on <laughs> the actual recording, because we, we really changed it, but... I so I wrote this um, for this woman that I dated for a long time. Um, I met her while I was on tour in the Netherlands. We were at the European World of Bluegrass Festival, um, sort of like IBMA, but in Europe. Um, and um, I met with her there and I found out that she was living in Amsterdam and we had like a day off in Amsterdam coming up. So we decided to get together and um, 
it was just a really nice, like, sort of um, first. I I mean, I don't know. She lived in Amsterdam, so I don't think either of us <laughs> thought that we would end up dating for a long time. <laughs> but um, it was like a nice date. We like biked around the city and the canals, and um, we ended up next to this one canal, very picturesque, as much of the city is, drinking a bottle of wine. It was all very nice and romantic and um, exciting, and you know. And so I wrote, I wrote this tune, and when I was looking for the name for the tune i wanted to name it after one of the bridges over the canals that we were next to mm-hmm. uh, assuming it would have like a nice name but it, <laughs> it's just called bridge 218 <laughs> well so we're perfect named, yeah and i i wrote i wrote this a long time ago now because i'm remembering we almost recorded this on gray now like we hadn't really worked it out or anything, but Grainer was a lot more of an improvisational album and we almost recorded it then. But with this, we, we messed around a lot with, I mean, you can hear us trading parts a lot in this tune and, and we put a lot of effort into trying to convey these feelings of, of sort of excitement and anxiety and sweetness but also this, the way it ends is very sort of unresolved. It always bothered Alyssa how we ended it, but <laughs> it, for me, like it, that, that ending is really expressive of how I felt when, you know, at the end of that relationship. And also even at the end of that date, you know, it's just like, it was, those emotions for me were, were all there of uncertainty and excitement and, and, so we worked really hard to get that sound. And the thing that we added in the studio was about two thirds of the way through the song, it um, slows down to half speed. And there's this really sensitive and light moment where we're playing the melody, um, but I'm playing it an octave higher and it sort of sounds like a music box. and we Wes added that as this sort of dreamlike element of to represent more of the sort of remembering those feelings and stuff or you know however you want to interpret it but that was it was <laughs> it was a sort of difficult um thing to do and to pull off but I'm pretty proud of how we ended up getting it recorded jackalope Jackalope is um, a folklore creature that is a rabbit with antlers. Those aren't real? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, and so we named this tune, um, like I said before, we'd, we would do a lot of house concerts to sort of test out these tunes. And this one woman hosted us a lot in San Francisco, and her name's Trina. And 
she's a really cool woman. Um, she's a really like hip apartment and, um, she's into like baking and, um, mixology and also like very sort of macabre sort of things, including sort of like, not like, not like hunting taxidermy, but like a taxidermied jackalope. (laughs) Um, And in her bedroom, which was where we would rehearse and warm up for the show, she had um, a taxidermied jackalope on the wall. And we, um, we didn't have a name for the tune. So we ended up naming it jackalope. (laughs) Um, It had a lot of other name. It was another one that had a lot of names before we settled on that one but um yeah that i i wrote i wrote that i remember i wrote that original melody um at justin's house actually and um it um it it has it's this really funky (laughs) i don't know to say funky sounds so like comically unfunky <laughs> but um we were Lisa plays in a band called super mule oh wow which is this sort of um uh, like bluegrass acoustic americana funk fusion band cool man <laughs> uh it's yeah they're a cool band they got some great records but so she has a lot of experience with with that sort of music and i've my dream is to be a funk bass player so um we wanted to um to bring a lot of that and it it's because we get so excited about it it's really easy to rush which immediately takes away all of the groove and <laughs> takes away the pocket and makes it not very funky <laughs> so we had to work on that but but yeah that, that, that's a that's a really fun one to get to play and then it ends with is it Marin's lullaby yeah, Marin. first record Grena um the sort of secret third member of the band was Jason O'Connell and Jason he was the engineer and he mastered it and mixed it and he also did all of our like photos and videos um Jason works at the uh San Francisco Conservatory of Music with Alyssa he teaches the sound engineering class and he also like He's the person who records like the San Francisco Symphony when they need to record stuff. And he's an incredibly talented engineer and also an extremely sweet person. And he was really helpful on that first record. And um, we had originally 
thought about just doing this record the curios with him but he had just had a baby so <laughs> still I, it, he was still working just as much he just also had a baby so to ask him to like help us with this <laughs> art project seemed like a lot and he he still helped us a lot with with this record he um he recorded all of the talking tracks that we do for our extended edition okay perfect that's cool and he he's just great but so his baby's name is Marin, and so we wanted to write um a little lullaby for for Marin. and i i came up with the original melody thing in san francisco and and this was such a it's such a sensitive melody and uh Alyssa helped a lot with sort of it my sort of instincts as a composer tend to be more colored by bluegrass and like fiddle tunes and stuff so there's usually adding more notes but Alyssa wrote the really beautiful bridge which is two notes <laughs> it's just two notes but it's really beautiful and um and so she helped a lot with that and wes and dave also with the making sure that it sounded really beautiful which is, this is another one where you can really hear the room that we recorded in working with how i mean it changed how we performed the tune so that was part of why we we picked a room like that that would have a response that we could it would it it changed how we were playing the tune and it came out really beautifully i think oh man the whole album is beautiful man i mean it is it's just it's it's recorded well the songs are amazing it's just a great it's a great experience so i highly recommend everybody go out and purchase this go and get the extended version as well with all the uh all the Although we've we've covered some ground here today, but we're gonna go out and get it. <laughs> you can hear you can hear Alyssa talk talk about a lot of these things in her own words. There as well. you go, perfect. Does she have a skunk story on there? She doesn't have a skunk story. Well. She's a much more respectable and classy person. Than I. <laughs> well, there's a mandolin's a beer exclusive then. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Tristan, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I love everything you do, man. It's just you're one of my favorite mandolin players. This album's fantastic. And the fact that you've taken the time out to uh on Labor Day weekend, which I can't even believe is I can't believe it's Labor Day. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, every day has been a year for the past <laughs> month, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, nothing means anything anymore exactly well this album means something man and i love it and it, it's it's beautiful and congratulations on on such an incredible project thank you so much daniel and thank you for you know having this um having me on the show to talk about it i'm you know i'm oh. really excited to share this music with people and um and and you do such a great job of you know letting people know about stuff oh man thanks so much all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to go out and pick up this new album. It is really, really good. Obviously, if you've listened to the samples there and heard the samples that have been playing, it's it's an incredible album. And it sounds great in headphones the way it's mixed and done. Uh, cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Track by Track. Thank you to Artist Works, And I'll talk to you all. John Reichman's the next one. The next Track by Track. <laughs>